Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network alongside the scout Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock and we will be joined very shortly by our guest today, the host of Locked On Titans, Tyler Roland, a super interesting team, and I think it's going to be a good conversation about that matchup coming up this week with the Titans at Ravens. You can subscribe to this show and all of the programs on the Locked On Podcast Network on all of your favorite podcast apps. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL. Matt, before we bring Tyler on and talk Titans and talk about that Ravens matchup Saturday night, Matt Rule was officially introduced at a press conference for the Carolina Panthers. And the number one thing that jumped out to me was he was just a straight-up motivational speaker. I can see why he would be somebody who's very good in interviews. And if I just turned this on and was flipping channels and, and caught it halfway through, I would have almost thought I was watching a sermon. He almost sounded like a preacher-like at times. And, <laughs> and, and he had his congregation ready to pass around the collection plate. Uh, everyone was, was very tuned in and and believing every word that Matt Rule was saying in that introductory presser. Yeah, I'm going to have to go watch it. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up, and I'm glad you saw it, because that's his reputation. I mean, is that this is a very charismatic, smart um, guy with a plan, well-spoken, should handle the media really well, should be able to delegate throughout the organization, isn't going to put everything on his shoulders. And again, you saw it and I didn't yet. My hunch is, wow, would this guy be a good recruiter? I mean, imagine him coming in your yeah. living room and talking to mom and all those things. Yes, absolutely. He was noncommittal about Cam Newton and about uh, exactly who his staff is going to be. He said he's still collecting his staff and he might pull some people from Baylor, from the college ranks that uh, had past NFL experience and some people from the NFL level. But you would assume someone that comes from the college ranks would be smart to have as many NFL people underneath him and around him as possible, right? I would think so. I mean, I think putting his staff together will be very interesting. Uh, obviously, the Newton situation is going to dominate the headlines to some degree, rightfully so. Um, do they trust the two young guys there to maybe hold down the Ford? Are they going to draft somebody no matter what? Are they in the market for a veteran? Could they be in the Rivers or Brady sweepstakes? I really don't know what direction they're going to go with that, but the offensive coaching hires will sure be a good indicator. And one interesting note about that job is that apparently they had, and this is from reports, uh, I think it was Rappaport who uh, reported that Josh McDaniels was pretty much not interested in the Carolina job and that McDaniels might have been their number one choice. They moved quickly to rule and and closed that deal out and signed him to a seven-year contract to make sure they got uh, their other candidate in Matt Rule in there in Carolina. But that would make me believe that Josh McDaniels is really just only wants the Cleveland Browns job. And, and that's kind of surprising. You, you wouldn't think the Browns would be that team where it's like, that's the only job I want. Yeah, and it also makes me wonder... Is he happy just kind of waiting for Belichick to go away? You know, I mean, I think that was a big thing with the turning down the Colts is I do think there's some sort of handshake agreement there that he can take over for Mr. Kraft whenever Belichick decides to hang it up. And maybe that's sooner than we think. I don't know. I mean, I'm totally guessing on this. I'm just trying to get McDaniel's head in terms of how he would best pursue these options. And who knows what they 
all have talked about and those discussions have been behind the scenes. But you would think if you're Robert Kraft, you would want to have that secession plan in place. But then again, Bill Belichick, he might be someone who is very difficult to pry out of there. And I would not be one to wait for Belichick to to lose the fire and stop coaching because that could be a long time. Yeah, you know what, though? I, I just construction, uh, con- constructed a tinfoil cat here, stuck it on as we were speaking. And what about this? Again, totally pulling this out of left field. This isn't a prediction. What if Belichick said, hey, you guys didn't let me keep Jimmy. Josh, you take the head job. Bring Tom back. You guys can all try this again. I'll go to Cleveland. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Show everyone that I can make that work. And people forget, when he got let go with the Browns, they were turning things around. Everyone's like, Belichick was a loser with the Browns. That's a little bit of revisionist history. I mean, I wonder if he says, I'll take the young quarterback. I'll take Odell. I'll take weapons for once. I'll go take care of the Browns and show the world that it's not Tom. It's me. I can build a culture out of the worst culture team ever. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but. That would be awesome. That would be pretty fun to see. I I really want to see Bill Belichick and Tom Brady apart for at least a a short time and see how they do separately, especially it would have to be pretty much this offseason for Brady as a free agent. I want to see what he does away from Bill, and I would love to see Bill Belichick do his thing as head coach without Tom Brady for a while and see what he can build. That that would be super interesting to me as a football fan. Me too. I mean, the problem with it now is – if they would part ways and Brady would struggle, is it because he's over the hill or because he doesn't have Bill? I mean, that wasn't designed to rhyme, but it did. <laughs> uh, you know, where Belichick, if he, if, I mean, I don't think he's going to go to the Browns, but if he went to the Browns and made them in a win, into a winner in the next two or three years, you'd be like, wow. I mean, that's, there's obviously no smoke and mirrors here. And you know what we need to do here on the show, and we have plenty of time to do that before free agency hits. Uh, We could pretty much do it any day, but we will need to, and and let's let's put our thinking caps on and see if we can figure out where the best landing places would be for Tom Brady if he were to actually leave New England as a free agent. Yeah, I like it. I think there's a couple, but fewer than you think. That is a conversation for another day, because today we have a very special guest talking Titans Ravens divisional round playoffs. Our guest today is Tyler Rowland. He is the host of Locked On Titans. You can find him on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans. He actually went live with a little film breakdown today, and I love the film breakdowns. I can't get enough film breakdowns from any team on almost any minute subject, so I'm going to check that out after this show. As should you, the Titans knocked off the Patriots last week. Tyler, how are we feeling? What are things like in Tennessee around this team going into uh, another buzzsaw here? You got to knock off two Giants in a row if you want to keep this thing going into the AFC Championship game. Have the Baltimore Ravens, the one seed, coming up Saturday night. Yeah, I would say that optimism is at an all-time high. You see the performance of Derrick Henry. You see, you know, Ryan Tannehill struggled against the New England Patriots, but everything that he's been able to do throughout the year instills confidence in the fan base and hopefully the team. They are playing about as well as they've played in quite some time, balance-wise, on both offense and defense. And speaking of the defense, that's what's really instilled the most confidence in me personally, but it seems to have perforated throughout the fan base as well that the defense finally 
finally came back. The Titans' defense was excellent at the beginning of the season. Injuries in the secondary kind of robbed them of their ability to be as versatile as they want to be on defense and disguise the way that they want to. So getting a Dory Jackson back into the secondary, even one person like that, one starting cornerback, helped the Titans' defense get back into the flow that they had going at the beginning of the season. So a lot of optimism right now. I know a lot of Titans fans, including myself, really wanted the opportunity to play Baltimore at some point in time. I feel the Titans personnel on defense is ideally suited to take on the zone run scheme that they you know, put out there week to week and they've been so successful with. So I would say optimism is at an all-time high in the Titans community community, at least going back to, you know, the mid two thousands that coincidentally the Ravens kind of ruined all that optimism, you know, a couple decades ago. So I would say right now things are great within the fan base, but you know, it's a tough matchup ahead. So no one can be fully confident, but feeling about as good as you have throughout the entire year. Tyler, great to have you on the show, and I didn't plan on starting with the defense, but you brought it up, and I think there's some really interesting individual players on this side of the ball. I mean, if people don't realize it by now, Kevin Byard probably is the best safety in the league. I really like the way Landry's come on. I think he was a steal when they drafted him. Evans is really flashing. I think Simmons is going to be one of the best defensive tackles in the league as well. Um but Jayon Brown got injured this past week, and I don't know the people out there realize just how good he is. Can you touch on some of those names I mentioned, what you think of these guys? Absolutely, and that's what I was you know, basically mentioning. The personnel on defense gives the Titans, I think, one of the better opportunities of any roster in the NFL to take on this Ravens zone read attack. you got to be very disciplined on the outside. You have to contain and have the athleticism to beat blocks on the outside when the tight or the Ravens use their tight ends to isolate slot cornerbacks and outside linebackers. You got to have linebackers, cornerback safeties who can fill the alley against Lamar Jackson when he keeps that ball and runs. And then you got to have defensive tackles who can kind of be on an island when you play Baltimore, you're basically saying, hey, our defensive tackles, our middle linebacker, they're going to have to stop the run, and everybody else is going to have to be devoted to stopping Lamar Jackson on the outside. So Jeffrey Simmons, who was critical in the Titans' goal line stand last week against the Patriots, he destroyed center Ted Karras for the Patriots three plays in a row. Daquan Jones, an underrated nose tackle for the yeah. Titans, will be critical as well. But some of the names you mentioned, Kevin Byard, I agree, he's one of the best safeties in the league, if not the the best. Kenny Vaccaro was a a torpedo last week against the Patriots and really set the tone with his physical play early on. Rashawn Evans was critical. He's getting a lot of pub for that goal line stand and he should. He made those plays just like he did against the Chargers early in the season when the Titans had that insane goal line stand. You look at Harold Landry, who the plays that I broke down today on Twitter, I showed a play where Nick Bosa essentially wrecked a zone read by himself, and that's why he's getting defensive player of the year buzz and why he'll probably be the defensive rookie of the year. Harold Landry has the athleticism to match what Nick Bosa did. He's not quite the player of Bosa's stature, of course, but he has the athleticism to sit on the edge, stay disciplined, attack the mesh point in the zone read, and then get back out and chase Lamar Jackson and hopefully as the contained players for the Titans on the outside like Kevin Byard, Kenny Vaccaro, Logan Ryan, as they force Lamar Jackson back in, 
then you have someone like Harold Landry, Rashawn Evans there to, you know, come back and make that play as Lamar Jackson cuts back inside. So I like the Titans personnel against this matchup. It's going to be tough, of course. I'm not expecting, you know, a dominant performance or anything, but you got to slow down this offense somehow. And I think the Titans have the personnel to do it based on the names that you mentioned. And Jayon Brown's injury is definitely a concern. He hasn't practiced all week. And I talk about him every single crossover Wednesday we have for the Locked On Podcast Network, you know, on the NFL side, because, you know, he is an undersized linebacker, but he's incredibly athletic. He's great in pass coverage, and his, you know, run game support has improved so much throughout his career being a fifth-round pick, six-foot-tall linebacker out of UCLA. So not having him on the field definitely hurts, but the Titans have a rookie, David Long, who was taken in the sixth round, who's an uh, undersized athletic linebacker who likes to get physical, and if they can coach him up and get him to play discipline, they should be okay on that side of the ball. I want to piggyback on that a little bit because I love the Harold Landry conversation. He was one of my favorite players coming out in the draft that year. I thought it was a fantastic move by the Titans to move up and get Landry. And the thing that I've been impressed about, he always had that crazy ability in the bend off the edge as a speed rusher to you know run under the table, as they call it, and turn the corner and go after quarterbacks. I've been impressed with, because he's not the biggest guy, I've been impressed with his ability to hold up versus the run. And a few of those plays, the one of the Rashawn Evans goal line plays, Harold Landry set that up by just stacking the offensive tackle and stacking tight ends. And so I liked what I've seen from him development-wise to to add to his complete game. What have you seen from him developmentally since he came in as a rookie and what he is now? Yeah, before I start into all of that, I first want to give credit to Tennessee Titans general manager John Robinson. Uh, The Titans are not a very popular team in terms of national conversation. So when that happens, you're not going to get a lot of pub for your general manager. I mean, Dave Gettleman for the Giants, who isn't doing a fantastic job gets talked about every day on the radio, but someone like John Robinson who got Ryan Tannehill for a fourth round pick swap and had the dolphins pay $5 million of his salary, uh, who also drafted Harold Landry in the second round with, I believe the 41st pick after he dropped like a rock for some reason, despite having, you know, top five talent as an edge rusher from what most people had to say in the scouting community. And then, you know, you look at this year, we'll get to the offense eventually, I'm sure, but A.J. Brown, the 51st pick. So John Robinson deserves a lot of credit. Jeffrey Simmons in the first round, Rashawn Evans in the first round. The players that we've been talking about are all huge swings and hits for John Robinson as a general manager, and he should get more pub and and more credit for the work that he's done turning a bottom-feeding Tennessee Titans team that – had the first pick a few years in a row into a perennial playoff contender. Although they only go nine and seven, they're still competing every year. So jumping into Harold Landry. Yes. He always had that bend. He does a great job of using his hands to knock away the long arms of these offensive tackles. And that, you know, momentum from knocking their hands down and moving his arms down to knock down that punch gets his shoulder momentum going to get that dip going and that bend and get under the table like you talked about. But, you know, we knew he had that ability. So setting the edge is something that this defense does very well. And Harold Landry is the best at it. And that's just because he takes the coaching. That's not something that he was great at at the beginning of his career. As most edge rushers coming out of college, they focus on the pass rush. They don't worry too much about, you know, run defense. But Mike Vrabel's a great coach. He's a former outside linebacker himself. So he's worked directly with Harold Landry on his hand technique and keeping his arms extended so that the blockers can't get on his chest 
chest and kind of move him where they want him to go is, you know, he's not as big as a lot of these offensive tackles, even though he's a decently sized guy. So really impressive what he's been able to do. I want to give credit to Mike Vrabel for coaching him up there, but he's put in a lot of work to get stronger in the weight room, also get better with his hands at disengaging and blocks so that he can set that edge you know, release his blocker and then make a play. So he's done a fantastic job getting better in run defense. He definitely still needs to keep improving. He's still a young player, but I've been impressed so far with his ability to become a more balanced edge rusher than just, you know, a pass rushing specialist like he was early on. You know what, Tyler, I'm glad you mentioned Robinson and I think he has done a tremendous job and doesn't get the credit he deserves I also think Vrabel is obviously the right hire and is an up-and-coming coach in a big way. But I really like this pair of coordinators, too. Yeah, fantastic. And Dean Pease, I want to talk about this as well real quick if we're getting into the coordinators. Dean Pease, who was the coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens in the 2012 Super Bowl when they took on kind of the first iteration of what we're seeing with the Ravens this year? The San Francisco 49ers with Colin Kaepernick. Their offensive coordinator in that game was Greg Roman. So Dean Pease has high-level experience in the biggest game possible, being the defensive coordinator going against a zone-run-based offensive scheme like you see the Ravens have now and the 49ers offensive coordinator, like I said, was Greg Roman at that time, who's the offensive coordinator for the Ravens now. So we're seeing these two minds, Pease and Roman, go at each other again. And that that's kind of part of the confidence that I have in the Titans defense and their chances this week is because who would you want at your defensive coordinator spot more than the guy who shut down this offense, or at least in the first half before the lights went out, in the Super Bowl? So really excited to see what Dean Pease can do from a game plan perspective. And I enjoyed looking back at, you know, how he handled that in the Super Bowl so many years ago. On offense, Arthur Smith took a lot of heat from the fan base early on. And I think it's fair to say that the struggles the offense had early were more quarterback-based than coordinator-based, even if you had a rookie offensive coordinator. A lot of the best coordinators you see on offense come from the tight end position because tight end coaches are involved in the run game planning and they're involved in the pass game planning. They have to be involved in both. So that gives a tight ends coach a little bit more of an opportunity to learn both sides. Arthur Smith has cut his teeth. He's been with five different coaching staffs because they just keep bringing him back and there must be a reason and he's showing that now he has a good understanding of how defenses want to attack the titans and a very good understanding of how he can get the titans playmakers isolated and get good looks so they can get the ball and make plays and arthur smith has done a great job of doing that this year and he's getting some head coaching buzz from in the college ranks and probably if the titans offense is good next year we'll get some nfl head coaching buzz but i'm hoping that we can keep our hands on him as long as possible being 34 he has all the potential in the world as a play caller That is a great teaser into the rest of the conversation we need to have here about that Arthur Smith Titans offense. Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry coming up. We saw the struggles for the Titans offense with Marcus Mariota. I want to know how Marcus Mariota has handled the benching, and I I feel like he's the type of guy that could handle that type of thing, even if he's not happy about it, and obviously nobody is because the backup quarterback doesn't play in the NFL in case unless there's an emergency. But Ryan Tannehill, what? I can't believe what Ryan Tannehill is doing right now. And even when he struggled a little bit last week and the Patriots did a pretty good job of slowing him down, slowing down A.J. Brown, the Titans offense still found a way to go win that football game, mostly behind Derrick Henry 
So that's a scary offense right now when you've got multiple ways to win. Yeah, and that's something that they've specialized at all year is continuing to remain balanced despite being, you know, leaning heavy on the run game. And what I'm kind of hoping to see is that the Titans do a little bit more in the passing game. It was obvious from the game plan last week. Ryan Tannehill did not play well last week, but it was obvious from the game plan that the Titans knew they could just run down the Patriots' throat. The Patriots struggled with the outside zone run all year long. They struggled with heavy personnel with multiple tight ends and fullbacks all year long because they want to play dime and nickel with multiple defensive backs on the field, which is their strength. So I I realize why the Titans went with the game plan they did, but if you're going to beat the Ravens who are going to score more points than the Patriots did last week. That's just a reality here. Even if the defense for the Titans does well, the Titans are going to have to come out and attack more in the passing game. So I'm hoping that Ryan Tannehill has a bounce back game. And because the Ravens actually bring the most blitzes of any NFL team, they're at like 54% blitz percentage rate. So a wide margin. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like 15, 20%. They're above the second highest team that, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So what you have to do when teams bring pressure like that, and I don't expect the Ravens to change their philosophy. They're not going to change what they do for the Titans. They're the number one team in the conference. They're going to do what they do. And with the talented cornerbacks that they have, Marlon Humphreys, Marcus Peters, Jimmy Smith. They got Earl Thomas, who's been one of the best free safeties in the NFL for a long time now. Chuck Clark has replaced Tony Jefferson and done a fantastic job. I mean, with that kind of talented secondary, you're going to play man on the outside. And when you can play man on the outside, that allows you to mix up what you do with your front seven. So that's why they're able to blitz so much because they can trust their cornerbacks. Well, if you've got a team that's blitzing and bringing pressure a lot, and they're good in man coverage, so you're not going to win downfield quite a bit, you're going to have to mix in the screen game. That, that That's the reality. The Titans are going to have to run bubble screens, tunnel screens to their wide receivers. They're going to have to get some pop tight end screens where the tight end just pops off the line of scrimmage after pretending to block for a minute. Derrick Henry had a successful screen last week for about 20 yards to the goal line. They're going to have to do more of that, maybe get Deion Lewis involved to give Derrick Henry a little bit of a breather here and there. But the Titans are going to have to rely on – the screen game and get the passing game going a little bit, get some high efficiency throws to get Tannehill back in the rhythm. One thing I want to circle back to, as you mentioned, Mariota at the beginning, uh, he was just missing a lot of easy throws. His confidence was clearly gone. All the changes in the organization, the offensive coordinators, the roster, the protection, all of that, whatever you want to blame it on, he just wasn't playing Uh, up to the level that you need your quarterback to play in the Tannehill switch, everyone saw. I mean, the proof is in the pudding there. You guys see how that changed. But I do want to give Marcus some credit. He has been the consummate professional. You wouldn't expect anything else from this guy if you'd follow him at any point in time during his career. Incredibly polite, incredibly professional, works hard, is a fantastic teammate, you know, stays low, keeps quiet, does what his job is supposed to be. And as a backup quarterback, I would not be surprised to hear that he is preparing the same as if he were the starter. That's just the kind of guy he is. But specifically for this week, the Titans play the Baltimore Ravens. They have possibly the best running quarterback in the history of the NFL. He just had, you know, the best rushing season by a quarterback in NFL history. So you're going to need somebody who can give you that look when you're running show team, scout team. That's an what important job. Better this player. Week. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, what better player to use than Marcus Mariota? Uh, I mean, he's not as fast and as still not the same. Yeah, it's not quite <laughs> the same. I get it. But if you go down the list of backup quarterbacks in the NFL, sure. there aren't many backup quarterbacks who could give you as good of a look as Marcus can. So the Titans have to be happy that they still have him on this roster and have him on this team to give him that look. And it's not just his speed, his quickness, and his ability as a runner that makes him a good threat to use to simulate Lamar Jackson. It's his experience. He's run zone read and read options so much from his time at Oregon. He had over 2,200 yards rushing in college and close to 30 touchdowns on the ground. So it's not just his ability, but his mind. He knows how to run it properly. He can hold that ball in the mesh point really, really long, longer than I've ever seen a quarterback hold it to the point where I'm surprised it didn't cause more fumbles during his career. But having Marcus Mariota being, uh, you know, a consummate professional, being a good teammate, and then being a great option this week as a scout team, show team quarterback, adds value to him that he hasn't had in a few years, quite frankly, to this organization. It's funny that you bring that up because just real quick, and I know you got something to jump in with, Matt, but when the 49ers were preparing earlier this season for Kyler Murray, they had their backup quarterback, C.J. Beathard, who's not the greatest athlete in the world. Uh, He can move a little bit. Uh, He actually hurt himself in practice trying to be that role. (laughs) And so when the 49ers did go up against the Ravens, they actually went with their former high school quarterback and current kick returner, Richie James, to play that role because they realized, yeah, we don't have a quarterback that can do this. Yeah, I I think that that I'm not surprised to hear that. And that's what happens when you ask a fish to climb a tree. (laughs) Tyler, you said a lot there, and I want to expand upon it and make sure our audience gets a couple of these takes, too, is I wouldn't be shocked if Mariota is next season's Tannehill, you know, with some other team coming as a backup, no expectations, and by week five or six, he's starting and he's really good again. I I mean, and we'll talk about that more this offseason, Brian, but... Tyler, some things you mentioned, and I went back and watched the All-22 of when Tennessee had the ball, and I always try to do that because Belichick is Belichick, you know. and I don't know that – I'm not going to say Belichick was outcoached, but it was very obvious, and you touched on this, that he conceded the run to some degree. You know, they played with lighter personnel. They didn't stack the box. They allowed Henry to get his feet moving, which proved to be a huge mistake. But it also tells me that if that was Belichick's approach to this game, my thoughts are, and I'll always give him the benefit of the doubt, was he approached this game saying, okay, if Henry runs all over us, they still only can score X amount of points and the game will get shortened and it's in our building and Tom will pull one out. But what it really told me was, hey, this Tannehill guy's for real, and I'm not going to let him beat us. You know, I mean, it was more of a compliment to Tannehill, in my opinion, than, boy, he screwed up and didn't realize what Henry could do to him. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a pretty good observation there. And, you know, although the Titans' run game is the headline, that's, you know, of everybody course. knows Derrick Henry, that's what everyone's looking at. The, the Titans were able to run the ball last year. You know, in the back half of the season, Derrick Henry went nuts the last six weeks of the year. The Titans were running the ball decently at at the beginning of the year, not quite the level that they had at the end of the year, of course. But it's not like the Titans' rushing attack all of a sudden was was bad. What really elevated this offense was the passing game. And I'm sure Belichick, who is, in my opinion, the greatest coach in football history, I'm sure he saw that. And he said, hey, you know what, although they run the ball, 
and this is the analytics community in, in the NFL is really loving this. There, there is not as much correlation when you really break it down to running the ball well and winning as there is being effective in the passing game. Sure. Just from the points expected, you know, EPA, expected points added, things like that. If you look at that on a play-to-play basis, the the passing game is just much more effective when it comes to scoring points. So I bet Belichick was like, hey, if we let them run the ball for 150, 200 yards, but we limit A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Jonu Smith, we don't – the Titans are fantastic at breaking tackles, getting yards after catch. Like I mentioned earlier, they have three players in the top five at percentage of breaking tackles on their catches, Jonu Smith. Corey Davis and AJ Brown. They right. break tackles. They get loose. They get down the field. And Belichick probably thought, he feared. "Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to let that happen. At least I can contain the run game. And even if you have a success in the run game, it doesn't always lead to points." So Belichick had a good game plan. I don't think it was a bad plan at all. But his offense just didn't carry their weight. They didn't no. hold up their end of the bargain, which is the most surprising part of it all. Multiple times throughout that Patriots game, I'm like, okay, here it is. Here's where Brady, you know, grabs us by the throat. This is where they win the game. 14 minutes left, four minutes left, two minutes left. Heck, my brother called me to celebrate with nine seconds left, and I said, no, no, Brady's got the ball <laughs> on the one-yard line with nine seconds left. I'm not celebrating anything yet. It's almost hard to believe that the Patriots' offense wasn't able to do more and score more because, I, like you said, I thought Belichick had a pretty good game plan on defense, and they executed it even though – people will look at the rushing numbers for Derrick Henry and think that they failed. No, I think that they executed successfully on defense, but the offense just didn't hold up their end of the bargain. Now, will the Ravens do the same thing now that they've seen the Titans be able to win that way? I don't know. We'll have to be seen. But either way, like I said, the Titans need to use screens to get their guys the ball early, get the ball in their hands so that they can – you know, utilize the skills that they have on the outside because you're not going to be able to play one-dimensional like you did against the Patriots because the Ravens' offense won't stumble the way the Patriots did. No doubt. Tyler, we're out of time here. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. You guys can find Tyler on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans. I'm about to retweet the film breakdown that he just posted today. Uh, you should also go check out the Titans-Ravens crossover this week, and I don't want to give away any spoilers for the predictions there, but it should be a heavyweight fight. Getting geeked up for the divisional round this weekend. Tyler, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure talking to you guys. Hopefully uh, the Titans will be able to survive in advance, and maybe we can do this again next week. Matt and I will be back tomorrow making our picks and previewing all of those divisional playoff games right here, Locked on NFL.